Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there, everybody. This is Kenny and... And who else? Nick. Nick. It's just Nick. You don't have a last name, (laughs) Nick. Just Nick. That's it. Nick. All right. So we just got some guy named Nick to come join us. This is Nick Lachance, and he is. We've wanted to get him on for a while, right? Yeah. And and you know he's he's been so busy. um, You know he gets booked everywhere else, and and he can't. He doesn't find the time for us. So uh, welcome to the sports on the Positive Tip Podcast, and we are live. Well, we're not live. You're going to watch this on tape. But we are together. This is not an illusion. We're all together. And this is outstanding. How you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually in Cleveland, Ohio, man. In, in, the, in the beautiful Midwest. And uh, the Cleveland Indians still hanging in there, right? Yeah. The Cavaliers, not so much. Their season's done. The Browns, very, very high hopes, right? Yeah. For the Browns. So, so uh, who knows, man? We could be in Town, USA at some point. You never know. Hey, from your lips to God's ears. There you go. You never know. (laughs) You never know. Well, we're going to jump into a few topics today. And the first one, let's go around the horn on some current events. What is wrong with the Yankees? I mean, I have two Yankee fans here. So I want to hear what is going on with the Yankees. Uh, You want to hit this one first? Up to you. Yeah, Yeah. I'll go first. I don't know. It kind of seems like every time they're taking a couple steps forward, they take three steps back. Right. Like, the first two games in this series against Seattle, they looked spectacular. Um, Chapman wasn't closing um, unless it was an 11-run lead. Um, But then, like, yesterday they only get one hit and get shut out. So, um, also some weird chippy stuff at the end. I didn't really understand that, but... um, yeah, did we ever get to the bottom of that? Is there like uh, DJ LeMay who had something against that pitcher or something? I don't know. It was it was it was a history thing. Maybe there had to be right. All right. So so what do you think? You're you're saying it, Chapman is definitely a, a problem, and I'll, I'll get back to him in a few minutes. Yeah. But the hitting also. You were mentioning to me on the ride here that. It's just a really oddly constructed yeah. team. I think it's just a poorly constructed team. A team that like is based on just if they don't hit home runs, they're not winning games. Yeah. And like the fact that they're not hitting home runs at the level they even did in the mid two thousands, it's a team that doesn't steal bases. They don't field the ball well and they don't pitch that well. Yeah. It's like they should be in terms of the way they played. They are lucky to be a couple games over five hundred and still like somewhat be in the hunt. 
for something. Yeah. I just don't know like where you go from here in terms of what can you bring to make the playoffs and actually think you're going to make a legitimate push without making a big move. And we're really quickly heading into the second half here. And so really separating the contenders from the pretenders. And if they go on like a losing streak, they could find themselves, you know, a lot of games out. And the Red Sox and the Rays aren't really slowing down. The Rays did a little bit, but they picked it back up. Yeah. And so I'll ask you both now, trading deadline coming up, how do you fix this team? What are some things that that you think you can do to get this team sparked in the second half? I think it's more about being realistic. So, like, if they're at a point where it's, like, five games under 500 and they get to the trade deadline, you got to be realistic in what can you get for certain parts, a Chapman, maybe a Gary Sanchez, and see – if you can get prospects back. If they go on a run here and they can make it look like, all right, we can be competitive, you see what you can get to help the team make a playoff push. But if not, it's really about what these next 15 to 20 games are can decide what direction they should go for the year and even forward. Hmm. Yeah, and out of the break, eight out of their first 11 games are against the Red Sox. Right now, they play the Red Sox eight times after the break? Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I think Red Sox, Phillies, Red Sox, I think if I remember right. Wow. um, Yeah, just kind of like what Nick said. This roster, like, for me, I look at the top six guys of LeMahieu, Judge, Sanchez, Stanton, Voight, and Torres. All of them, except for maybe LeMahieu a little bit, like, they all rely on the home run. And I think at least one of those guys has to go. Um, Because, like, this is the first year where, like, everyone except for Void has been, for the most part, healthy. Yeah. So this has been kind of like a problem that's there. But, like, when you have guys that kind of pop in, like a Clint Frazier, who's not as much of a home run hitter, or kind of some of those guys like Gio Rochello, who right now is batting 6th, 7th, before he'd be batting, like, 3rd, 4th, just because everyone else was hurt. I think um, they need somebody else in there. Because you look at a lot of, like, the big teams, like, even though he's not playing well, Francisco Lindor, Fernando Tatis, mm-hmm. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, like a lot of those guys, they're not just home run hitters. They steal bases. They can win games mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But like Sanchez is a liability sometimes behind the plate. Um, Stanton can't play the outfield. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, they need something that's got to, they've got to change something up. And yeah. Uh, it, so the, they they need to get hot here if they're playing the Red. I didn't realize that Red Sox eight out of eleven games coming out of the break. That could be. I mean, if the Red Sox win six of those, that's, that'll decide. Yeah, that's uh, you know, and the Phillies are, are, are no better either. So I, I think they can handle the Phillies. And I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Joe Girardi looks miserable, and I, I don't know why. He just he, he looks like he's not having fun. All right, one more Yankee question, and I'll talk about. Uh, we'll get back to Chapman for one second. Aaron Boone. Um, what do you do with, about Aaron Boone? Uh, I, I don't think they'll make a change in the middle of the season, right? No, I don't. But yeah. is Boone the long-term answer for, for this team? I think it's getting to a point where you got to question it. Like, I don't, like, um, Hal Steinbrenner came out and said, like, they're not making any moves. So everyone's going to stay throughout the season. But if they were to end up winning 80 games around there, not making the playoffs, I would be amazed if he's here next year. Hmm. I'd be very surprised because, like, he could say it's the players, but it's it's not a coincidence that they're not. Mm-hmm. They don't get the best out of them either, and they're just like a lazy team sometimes. Mm. That has to be that's big. As well. yeah. So you're saying that they're lazy sometimes? Wow, yeah, that, that's management. You could see it's a mental lapse because yeah. like them running the bases sometimes it's like a little league team where wow. like you can tell like that doesn't seem like all the players. It seems like something's not going right. 
in terms of management as well. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What yeah. about you? I I agree because like I look at I don't I feel like this team doesn't have a lot of like juice. Like it seems like when they lose, they're just like oh whatever. Yep. But also you can kind of see that in the manager. Like Boone really like it's rare that he really even gets like upset at the manager or at the umpires. Like, I think of Joe Girardi where, like, there were times where, like, he would get into players, like, he would call them out publicly. Like, I remember he got a lot of backlash for, like, calling out Sanchez and Della Matances. A-Rod, yeah, he A-Rod. called out A-Rod a few times. Um, even, like, the whole saga with Posada, mm-hmm. um, like, mm-hmm. DHing him and like, catching him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I feel like Aaron Boone, that's not really his style, which is fine, mm-hmm. but also it reflects in the players, and... Like, I know Aaron Judge isn't exactly, like, a guy that'll, like, really fire up a team like that. He's kind of like that Derek Jeter, like, mm-hmm. leading by example. Yeah. But, like, some of these other guys, like, it doesn't seem like they really have much fire in them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, we, we lost, whatever. They lack yeah. life. Yeah. Like, as a team. Like, I remember the 2017 team when they, like, kind of made their first push back with that new rebuilt team. They had so much energy. Like, they would be down 5 nothing in the eighth inning, and you'd be like, there's still a chance. Yeah. This team, once they get down, I'm like, they're done. Like, yeah. they're not coming back. Just like yesterday. Down 3 nothing, get one hit for nine innings. Like, it's a consistent pattern that is, like, concerning. Yeah. You know the piece, and then we'll get to Chapman in one second, but the piece I was telling you yesterday, I think that the Yankees miss – when I think about the Yankee championship teams in the 70s and in the 90s and thousands was they always had this unbelievable bench. You know, they would get these veterans that were towards the end of their careers and come off the bench and they would be fantastic, which you don't have right now where you can't really sit some of these guys down. I mean, if if you go back to the 70s, you had, you know, Cliff Johnson and uh, Paul Blair, you had all of these great veterans in the in the 90s teams. You had Wade Boggs, and Wade Boggs was uh, platooning with Charlie Hayes, Daryl Strawberry, Tim Raines, uh, you know, Hall of Famer coming off the bench. They don't really have that on this team. So it's like you have to stick. I mean, their bench is thin. So you have to really stick with the guys that they're playing. So I sent you an article about a pitcher named Steve Blass. Have you ever heard of Steve Blass? Steve Blass pitched uh, in in a good part of the 60s, very, very good pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And in 1971, he had a career year. I think he won 16 games, and he had like a 2.10 ERA. was in the running for the Cy Young that year, pitched great in the World Series. And the following year, he just lost it. And he just, you know, I think he wound up with like a 7 or 8 ERA that next year. They gave him another chance the following year. By 19, the middle of 1974, he was out of baseball. And he was still pretty young. It's probably like in his early to mid-30s. And so when a pitcher loses it these days, or they haven't said this really in years, but they used to say this, like Rick Ankeel, you guys remember him, when he just totally lost it, they say he had Steve Blast disease. And that comes from that picture that I remember extremely well as a little kid. And so I sometimes look at Chapman and say that he has that. Because Steve Blast, they didn't measure velocity then, but he didn't lose his velocity, but he just couldn't throw strikes. He was like walking everybody all over the place. And so Chapman, what is going on with him? I think it's all mental. All mental. Because like, I think nothing looks different in terms of like, he still hits 100. He'll still have like ridiculous pitches where like you like probably not five pitchers on the planet could throw as well as him but once he walks someone the panic sets in you can tell Mm -hmm. when you watch him pitch he doesn't Mm -hmm. have that calmness and especially like 
he can't stop the bleeding. Once it starts, it's going to end up mm-hmm. in, like, when he gave up the Grand Slam to let them tie the game against the Angels. Mm-hmm. He does that continuously. We're like... He can strike out the side, but if he doesn't strike out that first batter, it can snowball and and it can be a complete mess within seconds. Mm. So it's, it's a lot mental then, is what yeah, you're saying. I would okay. think so, yeah. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, um, I think like yeah, he really gets in his head very quickly. Um, I thought back to Kansas City a couple weeks ago, where he he just kind of lost the strike zone, and then also like there was that weird exchange between him and Boone, and then he gave up a walk to. Um, bases loaded walk to tie the game and like you could tell he was just absolutely furious like he's yelling in his um his mitt and then goes into the dugout and does the whole like smashing and everything like that um yeah it was yeah. somebody he didn't want to intentionally walk right didn't, yeah um and he felt like he could get them out yeah you gotta you can't you gotta just listen to your manager at that point yeah, and I don't know. It seems like this happens like every like year every, or every this other year. This year it's just more. It's like yeah. to a point where he's unpitchable because like every year he has what like it seems like a mental breakdown in certain innings where he's just done, like he's burnt out. But this year it's been like two weeks where he can't get anyone out. That's yeah. like why it's so concerning at this point. Wow. If there's any position in baseball where you have to be mentally tough, it's, it's closer, right? Yeah. Because you're going to blow saves. That's just going to happen during the year. And... You know, if you blow saves, what happened there? Did I lose connection? Be mentally tough. You have to be mentally tough as a as a closer. So, uh, you know, on a positive tip, listen, the Yankees can't wake up. They do have the talent. So on a positive tip, they could have a big second half. And, I mean, we've seen it with a lot of teams. We've seen it with the Yankees even before. Let, let's switch gears real quick. The NBA Phoenix up two games and nothing. Anybody surprised? It seems like these games haven't been that close. It looks like Giannis is healthy. He scored 40 points last night. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts so far in this NBA Finals? I think um, this is going kind of how I expected. I think Milwaukee's good. I just think Phoenix has been underrated all year. And mm-hmm. In terms of, like, no one believed they versed the Lakers in the first round. It's like, oh, it's LeBron. They, get, they still beat him. They, yeah. Every round, it seems like they were doubted, and they kind of just kept proving, like, they're better than anyone expected, I feel like. Because, like, a 51-21 and 21 record, that's not something to laugh at. But, like, yeah. I don't think anyone thought they'd carry over to the postseason and kind of, like, make it look fairly easy. Because none of these series for them have been particularly difficult. And it doesn't look like this one's going to be as of right now. Hmm. Okay. What are you thinking? Yeah, because um, I think one of the biggest things I was looking at is, like, if Giannis is healthy, there might they might have a chance. And he looks healthy, but it also seems like they still don't have a chance. Like... <laughs> I would say maybe they'll they'll do like a gentleman sweep in five at this point. Chris Middleton, I feel like, is very up and down. Um, but also the fact that Giannis got this far, the fact that he came back so quickly from a pretty bad injury, yeah. I think says a lot about him. And he was trying to join this group of only one other guy, Michael Jordan, of winning multiple MVPs, a defensive player of the year, and a title. Um, but he still has a lot of time to do that. And I think Chris Paul knows, like, yeah, he might still have a couple years, whether he stays with Phoenix or goes to the Knicks, hopefully. or goes, Threw that in, huh? Goes to the um, Knicks. There you go. But, like, I know he knows, like, getting to the finals is tough, and he's not going to let this opportunity pass him by. He's been in the NBA 16 years. Yep. And it's amazing. he's played at a high level every year. Yeah. So I'm going to disagree slightly with both of you. I, I do think, I'm thinking back to, and it was much worse, when Milwaukee lost those first two games to the Nets. Yeah. 
and they got waxed. I mean, you know, yeah. what did they lose by almost 50 points, by 49 points and something like that in the second game? They came back and won that series. Now, Phoenix, I think, is a better team than the Nets because I think Phoenix has leadership. I, I really think between Chris Paul and Monty Williams, their leadership is just phenomenal. They obviously have a ton of talent, you know, as well. But I think Milwaukee's going to make this a series. I do think Phoenix is going to win. I think it's going to go at least six or seven. But I think that the Bucks are going to come back in Milwaukee. Those fans in Milwaukee really helped carry them in yeah, that really net good. series. Yeah. And then they have all they have all, and many fans watching outside as they have inside, which is amazing. And so I, I do think that they're going to come back and win a couple of games here in Milwaukee and make it a series. Even though we haven't really seen any big signs yet, right? I mean, game one was close in the first half, and then it kind of, second half wasn't really that close. And, and, and from last night, from everything I read, I didn't see the game last night, but everything I read, it, it just never felt like Milwaukee was in it last night. Yeah. So I do think it's going to be a longer series. I, I, think, I think the Bucks are going to make it series, but I just, I'm, I'm with you on Phoenix winning. I just don't think it's going to be that quick. Now, if they win Sunday night, is it tomorrow night is the game? Yeah. If they win Sunday night, then yeah, it's done. Three games and nothing. Yeah, Milwaukee needs that one. Yeah. It's going to be anything. Yeah, it, it, they've yeah. got to win that one. I think they will with the fans and then, and then see what happens in game four. You know, so, all right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. I wanted to talk about a couple of kind of controversial topics, right? So, uh, do you guys, you guys watch the Olympics, right? The Olympics yeah. is great. I, I think, you know, winter, summer, those are sports that we never watch until the Olympics, except basketball. Yeah, yeah baseball is back. Baseball is back will, this year, too, yeah. I will just interject here. Baseball is interesting because there's a lot of guys that we know in there. Usually it's like amateur guys. But uh-huh. Todd Frazier's going to be there. Uh, um, David Todd Robertson. Mm-hmm. Um, your boy, Scott Casimir. Scott Casimir is pitcher. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, also, um, okay. he's more of a guy attached to a trivia question now. Tyler Austin is going to be there. He... Um, him and Aaron Judge and their major league debuts went back to back. Oh wow! Um, and is he the one who started the the huge brawl in uh, yeah, Boston? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Tyler. All, okay, but these are guys that um that that haven't been in the big leagues though. Yeah. But Todd Frazier, I think, had made the Pirates, but then he stepped aside, right? Yeah. He, okay. Well, uh, listen. So Shakari Richardson. Uh, even if you don't follow track and field, you've seen her, and you saw what happened. So she fails a drug test. It was marijuana. And she's totally off the Olympic team. They thought they were still going to put her on the team, but she's totally off. And there's been a lot of controversy on whether or not she should be allowed still to compete because marijuana is really not a performance-enhancing drug. But it's on the use of banned substances. So what were you guys' thoughts there? Should she compete? Should she not compete? Should they have made an exception, not make an exception? What do you guys think? I think offhand, like, I personally would say make an exception, but for her own situation, I think, like, she should have known they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not as if it would be something, like, smaller in-state. It's the Olympics. It's an international board where, like, they're not going to change a banned substance for one person at one time in history. Just because, like, the way, obviously, social events and everything is leading towards marijuana being completely legalized everywhere and not being an issue... And obviously where she was at the time, it was it was legalized, but she knew she was going to the Olympics within the month or two. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel for her because obviously I know, like, with her mother's passing and how much she was going through and at 21 how difficult it can be. Yeah. But yeah. it's 
it's a horrible situation, but it's kind of like, what can you do now mm. other than kind of just support her and hope she makes it back mm-hmm. when she gets, you know, in four years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard because, like, like, yeah, there, I think there's a lot of, like, the political issues regarding marijuana. But, like, for me, I do give her credit um, trying to stay positive because um, a lot of people who get caught with banned substances, I use with you the example of um, Mets legend Henry Mejia, who got banned from baseball for using three times. Every single time he said, I don't know how it got in my system. So I do really applaud her for at least saying like, yeah, I did it. I'm human. Um, But at the same time, like, kind of like what Nick said, it's not like you're, you're at like some random event. Like this is the Olympics. This is where like people will hold you to a higher standard, even if it's not necessarily fair um and it's sad to know that like first of all obviously she was really dealing with the the passing of her mother and i can't imagine how difficult that would be mm-hmm. but it also stinks that like the difference between her smoking weed and drinking was really like if she just like got drunk one night no one would be talking about it yeah. mm-hmm. but i guess also it kind of shows like certain whether it's um running in the olympics whether it's doing something there are certain things that like you just flat out aren't allowed to do. And like for me as a pastor, like I agree to say that I'm not going to consume alcohol. Like that's not to say that like legally I can't like, cause I'm 31, I could, but like as, as a pastor, I'm saying I'm going to make that choice. Like Shikari Richardson has to realize like, yes, you could do it, but also like maybe just wait until after the Olympics. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I do feel bad, and I feel like that's something that we talked about a few weeks ago with um, Naomi Osaka, is, like, there has to be a lot more support for mental health of athletes. Um, Because where was her support? Like, obviously, people were supporting her in making the Olympics, but where was her support when her mother died? Yeah. Um, And I think that's something that, like, I don't know. People have to look at more. I think that's the conversation that should be had. I think they can have the conversation whether marijuana should actually still be on a banned substance list. I have my own personal feelings on that, but it, it I mean, if it's not performance ha- enhancing, but do you also want your athletes, just, you know, <laughs> weed it up all the time? Exactly. Yeah. Probably not. So, I, and yeah, I think that 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 piece is definitely missing, and they're still considered amateur athletes. Although I'm sure Simone Biles has made a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Um, they're still considered amateur, you know, athletes. So I, uh, there should be something. If you're getting ready to compete in the Olympics, that is you've trained your whole life for that more than likely. Right. And you're on the world stage. I mean, the whole world. I mean, think about that is watching. And, and these are milliseconds sometimes that it comes down to, especially with track and field. Yeah. And so how there's not, you know, mental health for them, and maybe there is and she didn't seek it, I don't know. But I think that's the conversation that should be had. It's about what to do next. Obviously. Exactly. What to like, do you next. You can't really do anything now. The decision's been made. They're yeah. not going to go back on They're it. They're not going to go back on it. But yeah. just to figure out how you can avoid this, even though as yeah. rare it is, you don't see it happen a ton. Yeah. And yeah. Some, yeah. someone as high profile as her that kind of like had the following she had yeah. to be out of the Olympics. But they kind of just need to think, like, how can we avoid this from happening yeah. and causing? Because it doesn't look good on pretty much like... Her not real, but like the Olympics, people are going to judge them in a certain way. Like we have one of our better athletes, most like known athletes, and she's not going to be there at all. Yeah, yeah. You going to watch the Olympics? Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely tune in. You going to watch? Yep. Okay. Um, 
I'm interested also in uh, basketball. That will be story. Yeah. Can I can I just rant for one second though yeah. with the basketball? I I still all these years later I know I know the ship has sailed, but in 1992, right? I just so used to enjoy when they put the college players instead of the NBA players because most of these games have been. There was one right where with the Stephon Marbury team, I think, where yeah, a lot of the big players didn't go somewhere around there, that and they lost. Yeah, but they, outside of that, these games aren't even close. Yeah. I mean, there's now it should be closer because there's so many great foreign players. You know, Luka Doncic um, playing on a team by himself could probably win a couple of games. Yeah, but he got he got Slovenia. He got yeah. yeah, first time ever they made it. I, I mean, so it, it in that case it might be a little bit more interesting than it was the last several years. But put the college players back in there, man. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. That that was just me. That was just me. Okay, uh, quick trivia for you guys. So, which one college player did make the 1992 Dream Team? It's not Leitner. Christian Leitner, absolutely. Okay. Good job. Yes. Yeah, Christian Leitner, who turned out to be an okay NBA player. Not, right? Not the was, he had. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, was a phenomenal. Christian Leitner was on that 92 team. Didn't play that much, but he was <laughs> on there. Uh, all right, Let, let's jump into this. So, the Portland Trailblazers... Can't seem to get out of their own way. They fired their coach after nine years. I thought Stotts did a very good job with that team. I'm not sure what they're looking for because I don't think that team is constructed to get to the finals. Although they've got two just great players. One just, I think, will be an all-time great at the end of his career. And one very, very solid player with McCollum. But outside of that, they haven't gotten any other stars. And But Portland, for years and years and years, those that fan base supports them. They sell out every game. They're very rabid. They generally always make the playoffs. It's rare that the Trailblazers are a bad team. So, but Portland also, the city of Portland, is politically a little different than some cities, you know. And, and so word gets out, they fire their coach, word gets out that they're very close to possibly hiring Becky Hammond, who would be the first female coach in NBA history. And she's done a great job in San Antonio. As, and she's filled in a couple of times for Greg Popovich when he, he couldn't be there. But they hired Chauncey Billups instead. And Chauncey Billups, the name just off the top of, of when I first heard the name, like, that's a good hire. Because he was definitely a leader as an NBA player for years. And, you know, won a couple of championships, one or two. Maybe it was just one with the Detroit Pistons team. Yeah. But I remember him being with the Knicks, you know, for a couple of years, no, doing a great job. Yeah, and with the net, absolutely. So he just seems to be a natural leader, good fit as a head coach. I didn't realize that he had settled out of court, I guess, his first year in the NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. a sexual, he was accused of sexual assault. I didn't even know that. And so this kind of gets brought back up. Not only did Portland pass on Becky Hammond, who, who has obviously more experience yeah. coaching than Chauncey Billups. And she, in her own right, was a great player. But not only do they pass on her, but they pick a guy who has this thing from 1997. And I'm purposely saying it that way because that's a long time ago. And we talk a lot about forgiveness in church, right? And, and, and I, I didn't even know about it. I think most people didn't, right? I, I, don't, I don't remember it at all. So the, the fans are still getting on, you know, the Trailblazers management's case of passing on Becky Hammond and hiring Chauncey Billups. What are you guys' thoughts about it? I think um, 
it's a little strange for them. I think more like for Portland, like the trails, Trailblazers themselves, they should have kind of known the climate in terms of like maybe avoiding letting that get out that you're going to hire Becky Hammond and then you go back on not go back on it, but you change your mind and hire someone who's had a sexual assault in the past. Like that's the, I think, the issue in terms of the optics of it. They should have kind of been more prepared for how it looks. And now like let's say Lillard's upset about, like, you've kind of messed up a good, what could have been a good thing, just hiring a new coach, either if it was Hammond, if it was Billups, but you put those two together in the way they did, and it causes a situation they have now, mm-hmm. where it seems like there's a lot of uproar from fans, and it seems like the whole situation could get Damian Lillard, your, like, franchise player, out of there. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'd mm-hmm. be, it'd be a rough summer if that was all the case, and you come out with your fans not happy with this decision you made, and your best player, and almost one of your better players in your franchise's history being out as well. Mm. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Ken? Yeah. Well, um, I'll just read the. Um, this is from Wikipedia, so I can't fully say it's hundred percent reliable. Nineteen ninety-seven. Billups and former Celtic Ron Mercer were accused of sexually assaulting a woman at the home of teammate Antoine Walker. According to a civil suit. They assaulted the woman at the condo after leaving a Boston comedy club on November 9th, 1997. A medical examination the following day revealed injuries consistent with the victim's testimony. No criminal charges were filed, but Billups and Mercer settled a civil suit in 2000. Um, and then it says that Portland did their investigation and they said that it doesn't, it's not going to stop him from getting it. But I think kind of like what Nick said, it just looks really bad because like, you finally almost had the first female head coach in any any league, in at least in American sports. And not only do you not hire her, but then you go completely in an opposite direction and hire someone that has a sexual assault. It just it looks really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Becky Hammond will at some point get a head coaching job. It doesn't seem like it's going to be this year because I think all of them are now filled, right? I think so. I think Orlando is getting ready to oh, fill theirs. Orlando, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but either way, I think, like, it is hard because 1997, the guy's a rookie in the NBA. A lot's obviously happened since then. But, like, a sexual assault charge is something that's going to stick with you forever. Um, it, yeah, uh, it, it is. And I, I totally forgot that he started with the Celtics, uh, Chauncey Billups. He was drafted in the first round by the Celtics. And Ron Mercer, if I remember right, was a big-time college player at Kentucky. Uh, that didn't quite also tra- – his game didn't translate to the NBA at all. That has nothing to do with anything. I'm sorry. But <laughs> but going back to, to this, so should it stick with you? I have my own thoughts on that, but what do you guys think? Should that stick with you? I mean, he's had a lot of chances, I think, Chauncey Billups, and it – from what I saw from his playing career, he was kind of a model citizen, right? And he was a leader on his teams. He was an announcer for a while after he retired. So you're right. I think stuff like that does stick with you, but should it? That's the question because it's like there's certain acts, like especially for athletes, they get away from, not away like from, but they can move on from them. Drug charges, things like that. When it comes to like moral things, like we question the character of your person, which is kind of what, like, a sexual assault, anything like that is, it seems like it's fair to stick with you in terms of just questioning his judgment. Even if, like, 
they were completely false. He obviously, at least in that 1997 case, however it played out, got himself into a situation that was like questionable, and that's a judgment thing. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that also, like, if let's say everything like that was in the report is fully true from that time, that's also a bad person. Like, it's a bad character thing. It's mm-hmm. not like a certain trait. Like, oh, he was young. That's like a character issue as well. So I feel like it's fair to stick with him, but to like kind of like not degrade its importance, but understand that it was a quarter of a century ago is also fair too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I really like that point. What do you think, Kay? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think in general, it's really hard to, I think people always remember it. Um, Luckily, like we have a God that forgives, but at the same time, like, People don't forget stuff because even like Ray Lewis, who has probably one of the greatest um, NFL careers for any defensive guy, there's always people that are like, well, you know, that guy was pretty much like murdered people. Um, And like, and it seems like for the most part, he's never had anything else come out. But like, also, he did something that was really bad and only got away with it (laughs) because like he ratted on the other guys. Uh, that's the way it, it, it sort of seems with Ray Lewis. I think that's a really, really good example because he's gone on to have a, a spotless career. He's been a solid citizen throughout. He's given millions away in charities. I'm not sure if he's an actual pastor, but I know he preaches at a lot of churches and things like that. But yet, it's funny because I don't really even think about that with him anymore unless somebody brings it up. Yeah. But a lot of people do. And that... I'm not saying one is more serious, but this was a double murder, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And not and not more serious than because I'm sure that this young lady's life took a, a def, definitely a different turn, you know. After that, especially three, you know, huge athletic guys, you know. Um, however, the story says it played out. Um, I, I, you know, so let me hit on just the other quick topic on that, and that is. Um, Becky Hammond, I'd like to just see her get the job just on her merits, not because she's a lady. So I guess what I was wondering is why didn't Portland just say we just felt like Billups was the better candidate? You know, they really did, I thought, a poor job explaining that. I feel like they did, in terms of the way they handled the situation from when it leaked out that she was, I feel like they did a poor job. Yeah. Because, like, inevitably, I think she will get a job off of her merits. She's Mm -hmm. put in the work, and I, I tend to lead towards her, like, after Popovich leaves, I think she'll probably get the Spurs job. That seems like definitely. I think he'll make sure of that. I think he'll yeah, make sure yeah. of it. I think it's also not a coincidence. She, she's like yeah. doesn't mind staying around there, mm-hmm. knowing that you could get a good organization and a good opportunity. But I mean, the bigger question is like, we shouldn't think of it as like, oh, it's because she's a woman, she's getting the job. Because right. like, especially for right. her, it's not. She's put in like years. In terms of coaching, she's been the assistant coach there. Mm-hmm. Like for her, it would be a completely fair and just opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and also, um, I think what hurts the Blazers a little bit more is, and it's obviously not their fault that it happened this way. But Jason Kidd, even though his was also two thousand one, um, having a domestic violence issue with his wife. So, I think like part of the optics there. It really doesn't help. But I do think that she'll get a job eventually. Um, I think so. And I think there's going to be a lot of people like, oh, maybe next year when, I mean, every year, what is it, six, seven teams usually fire their head coach. You know, Jason Kidd's, uh, and I I didn't bring him up, but Jason Kidd's played out 
Well, and, and, and so we could touch on that really, really quick. Maybe we could talk about that more next week because there's two factors there with Jason Kidd. His played out very, very publicly because he was just becoming a star player and his wife and his little son was at every game and they seemed like the All-American family. So people yeah. were really shocked when that came out with him. But the other part is that Dallas has just come off of this whole thing where you know, Mark Cuban had to fire everybody in the front office because of the atmosphere there uh, that was a lot of sexual harassment and things like that. Not assault, but a lot of harassment, inappropriate behavior, things like that. But yet he brings... He brought Jason Kidd back. Yeah. Jason yeah. Kidd is huge to that team, right? Yeah. Two times around. But I, I, that one was a head-scratcher to me. And again, I'm not saying Kidd didn't deserve a second chance. He's paid his dues. He's also, I think, tried to be a model citizen, except for the spilling of the, of the drink oh, yeah. that time or whatever. Oops. But he's tried to be a model citizen actually since. And he obviously is a very good coach. I mean, he's done well in both places that he was at. But that one we can get into a little bit more, too, because Mark Cuban, while he it really did, I thought, a great job because, I mean, he weeped on national television saying, I didn't know all this was happening on my team. And he swiftly got rid. He didn't yeah. wait for the NBA. He got rid of everybody uh, that was involved with except Carlisle, who wasn't involved in anything, you know, but everybody else in the whole front office went. Yeah. And so that was that was a little bit of a head scratcher. We also need to touch on Trevor Bauer. And we're running out of time, though. And so we may need to let that play out a little bit more. Trevor Bauer obviously uh, became a star here first in Cleveland and has just been an outstanding pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball for the last five, six years. And this kind of came out of nowhere. But if you read uh, the actual assault, it is horrible. It It is just horrifying. Not that any sexual assault is, oh, okay, that wasn't that bad. They're all horrifying. This one seems especially violent and... A it's few horrific. other things. Yeah, horrific. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens with him. We'll, we'll save that for next week. We'll, we'll be able to talk about a few things next week. So yeah. can we get this guy back? <coughs> I mean, he's always... I'm absolutely... Yes, He's course. always way too busy for yeah. us, you know? Yes. I, 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 you know, he's like, he's, he's blowing us off all the time. He has <laughs> all these offers. All right. So let's get ready to wrap up. This has been a lot of fun to do this in person. We don't get to do this often. So so why don't you take us home? All right. So live from Cleveland, this is Kenny Square to end. Kenny and Nicholas Chance. Yeah, with the sports. Okay, you said it. There you go. And we will talk to you real soon. Take care, everybody.